Hi lovely people, Martha here. I'm just dropping by to leave a short disclaimer in case you're wondering how come the last few uploads are so long, 45 minutes long uh, for some. It's because in this month of May, we are running a series called the May Career Mentors Magic. And the intention is to curate a space where we are bringing together couple of professionals from across different industries who have taken unlikely paths and who have approached their careers in a strategic, intentional and sometimes disruptive ways and to bring them together to share their stories with us because we truly believe everyone has a powerful story and when we listen to stories we can draw different learnings for ourselves so the next nine also uploads will take a different direction from the usual but i hope that you enjoy them and you get to learn or pick one insight that might shift how you look at your career in the moment and in the future as well thank you always for listening and for sharing and looking forward if you can make it to the next Mentors Magic session that will be running in May. That's magic. Cool. So Gregory is a good friend of mine um, that I've known for a couple of years now through different I think first when we were in uni, different student organizations, and then over the last years in the professional and social circles, he's an avid leader, leads, I don't know, hundreds of books every year, like three books every week. You can start by sharing with us what you're reading. Um, and Gregory is also a lawyer who is not a lawyer like any other. I'm even curious if that's a shirt you're wearing or a suit, you know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wearing a shuka. Ah, it's a shuka. I'm like, what's going on there? Uh, but yeah, I think this is going to be a very, very interesting conversation today to just, because it has a different angle. You're coming from a career that is thought of as very serious. People should be dressed and looking certain ways. And here you are telling us, uh, 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 I kind of have found a way of cheating the system maybe not a whole of it, but to a way that I can still be a significant part of my authentic self in how I show up at work. So looking forward to how this conversation unfolds. So that's the context of today's topic for everyone. But now let's get started with how you got into this lawyer thing. And this is interesting because oh, a lot of times, especially in these conversations, we have many people who keep sharing oh, my parents wanted me to be a doctor, others wanted me to be a lawyer, engineer, but you know, life happened, never happened. But you, you chose to be a lawyer. So tell us mm. a little bit about that story and how it came to be. Ah, okay, when I was younger, I used to read a lot of books. I still do, but it started a long time ago. And I read these books about lawyers and their lives, the things they were going through, and it just seemed like so much fun. I had read John Grisham, you know, I'd feel, I'd feel it. I'd feel my heart beating, I'd feel part of the action. And I'd be like, ah, yeah, this, this is the thing. This is the, really the thing to do. 
So I always just, I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't have like another option really like going around in my mind. And then as time went by, we got KTN finally after a long time in our house. We had some problem because we were at the bottom of a valley. So we only had KBC forever. But we got KTN and I watched the practice. It's like, I, and yeah, this, this, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And, the tell, practice us, is like and <laughs> tell us a little bit about what is it, because this idea of following our curiosities and the things that interest us is very interesting for many people. Like, how do I know that's it and how do I follow it? What was it about watching this movie, uh, this series, The Practice, that connected with you in a way that it was so like, this is what I want to do. Ah, okay, what I liked about um, what I liked about law from the books, from the movies was that it was a place of like very high drama. Like things were happening. It was a place where people went, especially like the courtroom. It's a place where people go to resolve like real issues. And uh, then they use words. You know, there's this whole play on words, and words are like the most important thing over there. And for me, I was an avid reader. Um, I love listening to like music and the lyrics and the music. So for me, the the feeling of being able to just use words all the time was what really pulled me into into law. Mm -hmm. So I guess you passed and you got yourself into campus somehow <laughs> to study law. How, how was it when you got there? Now the reality, the dream versus the reality. Now when I actually started practicing law. No, when you first you got to school and then you started practicing. Ah, okay. Well, school was fun because lawyers are fun people and you know, it's university. Um, I was in UN. UN was a good time. Um, the workload just seemed, it seemed so easy. Like looking back, I realized it wasn't because we used to have um, six classes a week. The classes would run for two to three hours. So you'd have 15 to 18 hours of work commitments in the week and then you're free. I mean, later on, I realized we were supposed to be using that time to read really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but while I was in uni, I, I, I used it to have fun really, really hard. So I enjoyed the, 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 the part of university. I liked also going to classes. It was fun because, you know, law classes, the way you're taught in law is you're told stories. Mm -hmm. Because our law in Kenya is built on precedent. A precedent is a case. And a case is just this happened between this person and this person. And then this is how it was resolved. So you'd go to class and you'd hear these stories. And then you'd hear also all these legal theories. Um, there was like philosophical and opinion of law and other theories about um, how the laws came to be, the historical basis. So even learning law, the actual learning was good because it was just listening to stories. Studying for exams was really, really hard for me because I've always had that terrible memory and when you're when you're taught using stories the way you answer questions is you give the names of the people in the stories mm -hmm. I couldn't remember these people's names I tried so hard so I didn't like studying for the exams but I liked the experience of 
going through law school. Interesting, terrible memory. And with law, I would guess you guys have to remember Article 59 verse, I don't know, 53, apo chini, on the right plus the left, how do you do that? <laughs> At least nowadays, all our exams are open book. You can carry your constitution to courts. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have to cram. You just have to know where things are. Actually, it's one of the things used to be told in university that a lawyer doesn't know the law. A lawyer just knows where to find the law. The law. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, there's so many places where that can apply, but let me just keep my brain from getting so excited. Um, what's the one thing that has shocked you when you got now into real practice? Uh, the thing that really surprised me was how much time we spent waiting. Ooh, tell us more. So um, I, I think many of you have interacted with government institutions. And you know how it is when you interact in a government institution. You go, you sit there, or you stand there, you're told, and Nani is going to come, you just wait. And there's nothing you can do to speed them along. So now the court is a government institution. The court, everyone who works there, the court staff, the clerks, the judges, the magistrates, they are all government employees. It's a different arm of the government, but it, it's still the government, which means you're going to wait. Um, and you can, the judge can be as late as they want to be. Court is supposed to start at 9 a.m. every mm -hmm. morning. Some judges come at 11, some judges, some magistrates come at 10.30, some come like right on time. But it's no excuse to you that this person is always late. You know, if, if you don't show up at nine and that's the day that he or she decided to show up at nine and your case is thrown out, you can't stand up and say, but your honor, you know, you're always late. So I thought today you'd be late also. Yeah. So you just have to go and just wait and wait for them to finish with all the other business till they get to you. So the waiting was what was a real surprise for me, how much time we spent. And that's quite a contrast to this idea of things are always happening as it was on TV. And then you come to the reality of like, oh shit. So I just have to wait for decisions to be made, for some people to come up with new defense, blah, blah, blah. And how have you, what, what techniques have you adopted? Because, and just like to get out of law for a second, this applies to this whole change of reality, shocks us in very different ways in our careers. You know, mm. when, I, when I started my HR career, I started, I started exploring HR because I was looking for alternatives of spaces of where can I take my talents and my passion for people. But my, my first job was amazing. But then my second job was paper pushing. You know, and I hated it. So I ran away from it after like nine months or something. But nobody prepared me to the fact that I would spend a lot of time not with people, but under the books. Right. Mm. So then, like, I've had to over the years get myself more into jobs that bring me in front of like interacting with people. So I guess I'm curious about for you. What are some of the techniques you've adopted to deal with this shock of, oh shit, waiting? And how do you feel? How do you manage it yourself? And what do you do? How do you feel that space? Um, at the very beginning, 
I'd carry a book. So I'd sit there and then like read and read as, as I wait so that it was no, no trouble. Um, there was also the fact that the court was a social kind of place. This is back in the day before COVID uh, changed everything. So, you know, you'd go there, you'd meet other lawyers, you'd meet people you knew from university. So you could kill the time talking. Um, as time went on, I started carrying work to court. So I'd mm -hmm. go with like a file and do some work as I'm waiting because there's always this issue. I've been in court till 3 p.m. or whatever. I get back to the office at four and you know, there's still work that needs to be done. So if you've not if you've not found a way to deal with the work while you are there, you come back and then you know you're you're lost, you're swamped. Yeah. So that was what I used to do in the beginning. As time goes by, you you get patient. You it just forces you to get patient. It's something that our seniors usually tell us that in this profession you need a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. We usually I remember thinking that, ah, these guys, they must be referring to the amount of time it takes before you're making real money in this profession. Oh, I, I realized, no, it, it refers to every single thing. You'll go to court and be told, come back in, come back in February 2022 for your hearing. Mm -hmm. And that's a long way away. Yeah. But oh, what can you do? It's far away. You just have to wait. So yeah. because you're waiting for so many different things, you kind of get used to the waiting. You get used to ways to fill it up with other things you're doing. And then once it becomes a part of life, it's one of those things where you just, it becomes a part of you also. Yeah. So when you're told February, you just write down February and you, you, you go on. Yeah. You know that February will be here before you know it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what I'm hearing is find ways to be productive, find ways to fill that space with something that still fills your mind, like reading a book. And then sometimes just accept this is the reality and like don't fight it and sort of like go with the flow instead of holding on like why can't this change and be, I don't know, things are happening like in the practice. Um, so. Today's conversation is about authenticity and when we find ourselves in careers that demand us to be something totally different. So let's start with, tell us a little bit about who is Gregory and how is that so different from what a career in, of, a, of being a lawyer as us outsiders think of, of it to be? Mm. What are like um, those okay. twins? The, the best example that I can think of is if I would tell you how I spend my lunchtime. Go on. So um, because of COVID, I started cooking. I started cooking all the time. Um, and I got used to cooking like about 12 meals a week so that I carry something for lunch rather than, rather than like buy something for lunch. But then I don't want to, I don't want to eat in my office. Because you eat in the office, I, I don't work from home because for lawyers, first of all, you really can't work from home. It's not always a good idea for your clients to like be able to find you at any time. Yeah. And also because for me personally, it's not productive for me to work from home. I need to go somewhere different and work there. 
So when I when it's lunchtime, I pick up my picnic and I leave for a picnic. I have a picnic four times a week. Uh, there's a spot near the office that has this river. Uh, that there has this river and these waterfalls. Uh, it's like a dam and then the water falls down over there. So the water falls and when it rains, it gets so heavy that you can feel a spray when you get close to the river. There's a guy near there who has, um, you know, those plants that they usually sell near the river, pots of mm -hmm. plants. So it's almost like a garden over there. And then there's a, there's a spot there that I go and I eat my lunch like near the river. You have to walk and then you have to go down because it's a bit far. You go down a valley and then you disappear a bit from view <laughs> and you are not on the road. Doesn't know what happens to this person. They are just here, they're gone. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I sit, I sit there and then I read as I'm eating for about 25 minutes. Then when I'm finished, I, I go back to the office. It's this complete change from the office atmosphere mm -hmm. to completely natural atmospheres, like deep in nature. You don't even hear cars because of the river's sound drowning them out. It's also very different from what you'd what you'd say as the stereotypical lawyer image. A lot of people know suits. Like, I don't remember that guy's name, but I don't imagine him going to a river in his suits. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that is one thing that shows um, the tension between uh, myself and the, and the career and the legal career. And the, the thing that comes to mind in, to me right now is this thing about status. And I don't know if that's a thing in your career, like um, in other careers, like there's a way you're supposed to carry yourself. Like, let me share this really, really powerful story someone shared with me. Then I can come back to this and then you can share what, if anything like this happens in your space. But one client once shared with me, she's in the medical field. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's my, my internet. She's in the medical field. Um, so she works as a researcher. 90% of the time she's in the lab. So she's not a doctor, but she's, because her level is quite high, she has to play advisory. Wait, can you hear me, Greg? Am I, I, I can hear you. It's just your video is a bit iffy, Wait. but I can hear you. Okay, cool. The so audio then, isn't hanging. Ah, okay, good. So she she was sharing how um because she's in a she's a, she has to advise the board, which sometimes includes doctors and donors and people who come to the boardroom wearing suits. And she's always felt like she doesn't really, really belong to that room. And she kind of feels sometimes like she has to leave the lab and wear her heels so that she can go to the boardroom, which is totally illogical because. She has to stay in her slip-ons in the lab 99.9% and you know, don't know when you'll be called to go answer some questions, you know? And then that tension again makes her feel like she will never get to the next level just because she doesn't have a doctor's title or she doesn't wear heels and it's not her fault really. So I guess if I'm wondering whether there is that type of tension as well of status like would, would people look down on someone who goes to eat his lunch by a river or who chooses not to wear suits 100%, which is also you can share you don't do. But 
but like how is it you can share how is it and how do you navigate that social status social pressure if i don't have a suit am i not being so i'm not lawyer enough that type of things mm. well i mean it's it's a very true thing um that people will judge based on appearance it's not something that you can like hide from like you know just know it it's how life is it's how life has always been since you were born it's not some new thing so yes the the truth is that you do have to dress a certain way you do have to appear a certain way at least um while you are while you are speaking to clients when you're speaking to other lawyers like when you are talking to people you have to at least approximate the image of a lawyer Mm-hmm. So for me, what I've been doing is I, I wear half coats now all the time. I wear a shirt and a half coat and like black khaki pants, which is very close to a suit because, you know, it's almost three piece and it, it, it's, it's forgivable. It's something that yeah. can just slip under the radar. So you just have to do something like that. Like, um, I guess I would have told your friend to wear flat shoes sometimes instead of heels, but then there's no escaping that you have to dress a certain way. Yeah. I attended a talk uh, like a week or two ago that was talking about the, the responsibility that we have as lawyers to the collective image of the profession. I mm-hmm. mean, I attended it because I thought, ah, it sounds very much like what I'm going to talk about today. So I go over there and the guy talks about the way people hate lawyers. You know, they are just horrible people. He reads out, he reads out this quote from uh, our judgments where the judge is like, lawyers are triple satanic people. And then the judge goes on to even quote Shakespeare, just prove how bad lawyers are. And the speaker says that, you know, people really think lawyers are bad people because lawyers keep stealing people's money. You know, you're mm-hmm. given, you know, they're just untrustworthy people. They're like, the politicians and then the lawyers in people's (laughs) eyes and he says all this and you know i'm listening to him and i'm agreeing with him but then his solution to this is not that lawyers should stop stealing people's money his -hmm. solution is you know we need to dress better we can't be over there on social media showing skin we need to dress better and i kept wondering like if the public thinks that the problem with lawyers is that lawyers are have this moral failings. Yeah. Why do we feel we need to address it with the things that you know, the things that are outside? Outside, yeah. Mm. But it's just uh it's something that has been there. It's been there mm-hmm. for such a long time that I even found a quote about it in in the Bible. I think God was talking about he wanted oh, someone yes. to right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, how do you separate yourself from, how do you separate your own authentic self-worth, I am a valuable human being, from all these judgments and you should be like this, but I'm not like that. How do you play that game internally? Mm, well, internally, like I, like what I was saying about this guy, listen to him and I know that the problem people have is not that lawyers are wearing t-shirts. The problem people have is that 
you can't afford those suits on the legal fees I'm paying you. So how do you afford them? You know, the problem people have is that. So there's a, an actual issue and then there's the issue of perception. Mm -hmm. So I try to give you the actual issue. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, there's the issue of perception that has to also be dealt with. But then um, I remind myself that, you know, this is just one part of me. There's a lot yeah. of parts of me. And this is a part of me that I can leave at the door when I leave. I can get home and be someone else. I can even in the office be someone else. Because um, I find that it's important to remember that the people you interact with Yes, they might expect you to be a certain way, but you shouldn't like judge them in reverse. You shouldn't be like, um, oh, because this person expects me to wear a suit, they are not a good person, or they are, they are not a deep person, they are not made of various compartments. You yeah. can find the other things that you and that person like connect with, that, that you and that person are on the same level with and then and, and connect on that. And then I think it allows you to be a more whole person. Mm -hmm. um, if you recognize that even these people you're interacting with, while yes, they want you to do something you don't really want to do, they are still whole people. There are yeah. still things about them that you get along with. I love that. I love those two ideas there of what's the actual issue and what's the perceived issue? Because I think a lot of times we are judging ourselves and our worth and our humanity based on the perception and not like what's actually the problem right now, you know? Someone said something in the office, I'm more pissed off about the perception than is there some truth in this moment that I need to actually take and play with to get to the next level of, I don't know, my potential my expertise. And then this idea of also like not judging people just because of how they look, but like to take time to build connections with them because we, we all have so many different aspects of us and not just work, just the small percentage of it that is work does not really define who we, define who we are as humans, like in completeness. And it reminds me, you shared a bit about um, some stories around how you built connections, like random connections with different people in work in your workplace. Do you want to share one or two of those? Mm, um, yeah, 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 I could. Um, yeah, there was I think one was on music. Mm, uh, well, there was one I remember. There was uh, a friend of, well, he was our lawyer ahead of me. He was the one who was training me at the time. So we'd go to the office and, um, you know, he'd be, he'd be so well-dressed, but he was fun to talk to until I met him over a weekend. I was just walking somewhere and I had him call me and I turned and I looked at him. And I looked at him and I saw him. I was like, oh man, you're, 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 you're one of us people. You know, you, you, you don't want to be wearing those things that we wear in the office all day. So I started talking to him. Then um, I realized that we had a lot of, a lot of different um, things that we had in common. Yeah. We liked going to the same kind of places. Um, like there's a, there's a bar we used to go to after work that was, it was just perfect. It was a place we used to go and sit and uh, it was a place where you could drop pretension and just like be yourself over there. And we remained friends for a very, very long time. Um, there, were, there were other people, there was someone I used to argue with about 
the Bible all the time during <laughs> during break. Mm-hmm. And then um, from then on, we've remained friends. It's been like six years since we worked together, but we still how did you in- even know they are interested in the Bible? Maybe that's interesting to know. Ah, uh, well, I wasn't the most. Um, what would you call it? I, I wasn't the most. People would not imagine that I would spend a lot of time in church. Not, yeah. not from the way I, I yeah. still don't like I have when I think of the Bible, I think Gregory. These days when I see a quote, I'm like, I need to talk to Gregory about this Bible quote, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because mm, I always liked it. It was a book and it was one of the books that I always used to read. Yeah. Um, but then I went through a period where my engagement with it was more antagonistic than. You know, I'm, I related with it more as it happens, I think, to a lot of people that you start feeling like um, the whole point of religion and the religious upbringing you are given was to stifle your soul. Like the whole thing was just rules put on you to stop you from doing anything that you wanted to do. But even while I felt this way, I still enjoyed the stories. I still enjoyed talking about it. So I think uh, I think we started in on talking about it because I was being to, I, he had asked me about going to church on Sunday or something. Mm-hmm. I told him I don't go, and then he started quoting some stuff. I was like, "Eh, does it really say that?" Who I have read the whole Bible. Let me show you what it actually <laughs> says and what it means in Greek, in Hebrew, and in English. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually what he said. It's like you were there. <laughs> I know exactly how your brain operates. Um, what's your favorite Bible story and why? My favorite story right now, actually, it's been my favorite story for a while, is the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the story about Jesus was going to be crucified the next day, and he knew that he was going to be crucified. And he, he went to this place to just pray, to pray for strength, to like just prepare himself. And then he, there's a point in the story where he gets so scared. He gets so scared of what's going to happen and he gets so tired. Like he just pleads with God. He just says, why, why, why does this thing happen? Yeah, take happen? this away from me or something like this. Yeah, just take it away from me. Just do whatever. But don't, I, I, I can't do it. This is what it basically says. Me, I can't do it. Why do I have to do it? And I, I, I read that story nowadays and I feel like this is a story about, um, under the Christian theology, this is a story about a man who is God. But then it tells us that God can feel so tired of everything that's been put on him. Like even this guy, he just wanted to quit. Yeah. It was just done. And I, I, I feel that it resonates a lot because I feel that way sometimes. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Like, there's just too much going on in the world. There's too much that's been put on me. And I don't know if I can make it. And I don't know if I can take it. And I would do anything for this suffering to be lifted from me. But then there's nothing I can do because, you know, we have to submit to the reality of life. Yeah. And that's why I like that story. It, it tells me that everyone feels this way. It's not just me. Even Jesus, 
Wanted to give up. Way. Yeah, yeah. That's very powerful. And how I can pick that up from you is I hear a lot of people share that they they feel alone in their career journeys. They like we chat, I chat with someone for 15 minutes and they are like, Martha, can I tell you something? I cannot tell anyone. I'm like, what? Then they tell me something 100 more people have told me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, again, oh, I wish I could hug you. So, um, but it's really, it's really challenging that because we don't have sad spaces to honestly talk about the challenges in our careers. Most of us walk around feeling like ikitutu inanifanyikia mimi. You know, it's not, this story is not unfolding as it is, it's all, even if someone else has gone through the same experience, it feels much heavier on us than, than for everybody else. And then of course, yeah, like there's a whole work and its impact on our mental health and well-being is quite significant. And um, how do you bring that balance in your career and in your life? Because law is also a very demanding uh, demanding work environment. I can imagine the waiting doesn't help, the pressure from clients, that everything, everything is at stake. I think like low you, like I don't think you live like this. I've never seen you like this, you know? Yeah. But like, when I think of low, I'm like, ah! like what's gonna yeah. happen now, you know? So how do you still continue to stay balanced and calm and grounded in such an environment? Well, for me, fortunately, over the years, um, I found like different things that help me. Um, a lot, one thing that a lot of lawyers do is to drink. <laughs> I, and yeah, I mean, I started off, I used to do that a lot, but drinking is bad because you're so tired the next day. <laughs> like, that's what I didn't like about it. But then I found other things that, that really helped me a lot. Um, I started doing yoga a couple of years ago. Um, it's it's something where you go and for an hour or so, and it's like really difficult yoga, the kind that it used to, have uh, met sometimes at Diamond Plaza. Power, yeah. Real workout. So while you're yeah. working out, you're not in your mind, you know, you're in your body, you're feeling things inside your body. So you're, you're, your mind gets this break from that. The other thing I've been doing, I always walk home from work. I live about, um, I guess, five kilometers from the office. Uh, and this- So that's 5K home, every day. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is. And then it also helps me like declutter, like uh, as I'm walking home, the things that were happening start falling off. This disappears mm -hmm. and that disappears. And then I get home and I try to listen to an album, um, a music album every day if I can. And uh, by the end of this process, I usually feel very relaxed in it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always work. There are days where it's just difficult. And then there are days when it's not just the things at work that are difficult, like your life wants to be difficult now. So why can't, why are you coming both of you at the same time? See, that's yeah. one at a time, please. But then having those, those systems has really helped me to, um, yeah, like to, 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 to walk. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, so building habits, building systems that work for us. And yeah, I love that. I, I, I could go, I could walk. I was like from your office to your house and like I'm, I'm challenged on one album 
a day, I wish I, not I wish, I'm challenged to start doing that because I also really enjoy music. And every time I get myself lost in music, especially in the evenings, I'm like, oh, I need to do this every single day. It's so, so amazing. And this idea of getting out of our, yeah, getting out of our heads as well is very powerful and to reconnect with ourselves. Thank you so much. Um, so for the audience, we have about 10 minutes. So in case you have any questions for Gregory already, you can type them on the chat um, and we can take those. And I'm just looking, Gregory, you can take a breath as I'm looking at what we haven't discussed yet. So feel free to type on the chat any question you have or unmute yourself and ask. And as that comes in, if there are any questions, the last thing um, you had shared was the power of mini holidays. And it, it touches on what where we just came from, this whole idea of uh, well-being. It's just that we came from it from Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was tired <laughs> and he was like, I'm done with this life. Like, yo, yeah, God, <laughs> fix this one for me. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I'm glad. So, Just one more day. It's like <laughs> away. the biggest responsibility. Take the whole thing. I don't want it. And Jesus jokes aside. Um, yeah, tell us more about power of mini holidays for you, what they mean and how you take them. Mm, um, I mean, I, it's a theory that um, like I've figured it comes from different things, like the way um, in yoga you're told that you need to just focus on your body. So I think that when you work, you spend so much time at work. You know, as in while you're there, you're, you're there. Even if your mind wanders or something, you're always bringing it back. Yeah. Um, but when you go now for lunch, when you go on your break, on, on whatever breaks you have, your tea break, your, your work, your, your lunch break, now you're not chained to the desk. You're not chained to the work thing. But then people don't always take advantage of that. People don't take advantage of that to remove themselves from the space of work. Mm -hmm. This was why I just refused to, to be having lunch in the office because even the physical space of it is, is a problem. Yeah. But then the mental space is a much more important one. If mm -hmm. you spend your work breaks thinking about work or talking about work, then your your mind doesn't have the it doesn't have the mini holiday that you can get. Yeah. Like for me, the mini holidays are um, what I shared at the beginning. I go and I, I go and listen to a waterfall for twenty minutes and come back. It's something that's completely different from what I'm doing. And when I come back, I'm completely recharged. Recharged, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and there's a whole like theory of water therapy and all. So I'm going to launch a poll um, just for feedback. And again, if you have any questions for Greg, please uh, type it on the chat. But we can already start winding up. So if this was I guess to vote on this poll. No, you can't vote for yourself. Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> like, you? What type of self-belief is this? Eh? But I love that you even think of voting for yourself, you know? And I, I don't I was know going to vote for you. I was going to give you a... <laughs> I don't remember. 
this story very well, but uh, my coach likes to say how we, we don't normally nominate ourselves as, it's, it's kind of, we resist from nominating ourselves or congratulating ourselves openly or appreciating ourselves proudly, like in front of people, acknowledging ourselves. I forgot the exact story, it's much more funny. And now I'm just like destroying his story. So I have to ask him, but I, but yeah, you just reminded of that. So please go ahead and vote for yourself. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the other thing, it, it is difficult to like trumpet yourself. It's not something that, I don't know, we're told about pride and all of that. And we think that that's what pride means. Yeah. Yeah, no. I should go on yeah. another three hours of rant on humility and how it's stopping us from achieving a lot of our potential. Let's say it's the last the last few words you would share right now with the people that are listening. What would be what would come to mind for you? What's like? How do you sum this all up um, in the big topic of authenticity and our careers and finding those spaces, finding those opportunities to be ourselves despite the type of environment we are in? Um, I'd say that the best model for being fun and authentic with yourself, it's a child. Children will have fun. Like that's that's what they do. They, they know that, you know, life is about having fun and wherever they're placed, they're gonna find a way to have fun. So, you know, you can give a child a block, you can give a child a bottle of water and they'll turn it into this magical toy. Yeah. So us, we're given so much more. You know, we're given um, this jobs, this, the blessing of work, as it's called, and uh, you you are and you you are allowed to play with it. You can do a lot more with it than someone can do with a bottle of water. So if you just um, decide that yeah, I'm gonna find the fun thing to do with this, and I'm going to be real about it, and if you decide to approach it the way a child does it, then you would you you would find a way. Awesome. I love the analogy. I love the analogy. I all I wish we could all be more child childly in our careers. <laughs> I don't know what's the word. Cool. So I want to assume, because also I have to get into another call. If there are no questions right now, I would be happy, more than happy to end today's um, conversation much earlier so that I also get time to breathe before my next uh, call. Um, I will. Oh. And that's it for today. I had stopped the post the recording. Sorry about that. <laughs> thank you so much, Gregory. This was amazing. Um, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for being yourself and inspiring others to find what that is for them. So that we can all at least, even if we find 5% of authenticity every single day, I think that is really good for us because we spend most of our lives working. So if we are hiding our magic 99% of it, I don't know what we are doing in this, in this world, you know? That could be quite a miserable way to live. So I love uh, everything that is about finding tiny creative ways of living much more authentically in our career. So. It's been an honor listening to you and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for hosting. I enjoyed talking to you. Awesome.